Hey everyone, welcome to Rolling Hills Online. Wherever you are in the world, we're glad that you're joining us today. In addition to our online campus, we have two physical locations in Franklin and Nolensville. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you in person. If this is your first time joining us, we would like to invite you to check out our new here page at rollinghillscommunity.org. Here, you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, and what to expect when worshiping with us. If you've been with us before and want to find out how to get involved, please visit our Next Steps page. This is where you can learn more about baptism, partnership, missions, community groups, and more. If you're joining us live, we encourage you to jump into our chat. This is a great way to connect with our online community and further discuss today's message. In addition to the chat feature, you will find today's sermon notes and a link to the Bible so that you can follow along. Have something that you would like for us to pray with you about? Click the prayer request link at the bottom of the page. We would be honored to join you in prayer this week. If you feel called to partner with us financially, you can give online through the giving page of our website. Your support allows us to continue this opportunity to share the message of Christ around the world. So thank you. Again, welcome to Rolling Hills. We hope that you feel at home. I love Christmas. I love this time of year. I love everything about Christmas. You know that? Uh, how many of you are Christmas people? Anybody Christmas people? Awesome, awesome, awesome. I got to tell you, this is just a fantastic time. I love Christmas cookies. Anybody else Christmas cookies? All right. My wife makes amazing Christmas cookies. I love Christmas cookies. I love Christmas movies, uh, you know, especially the classics like It's a Wonderful Life and Christmas Vacation. I love those. Those are classics, awesome. I love that. I love Christmas trees. I love all the ornaments on our tree. I love the stockings hung by the chimney with care. I love the presents under the tree, especially the ones that say to dad. Those are my favorite. But you know, then they have a homemade card. Actually, those are my favorite. The homemade cards that you get are amazing. And I just love it. I mean, I love this time of year. And have you ever thought about why is this time of year so special? I mean, because everybody celebrates Christmas, right? I mean, companies have office parties, companies close. You go to the mall, you hear Christmas carols being sung. You're in neighborhoods and you see nativity scenes. And, and the reason we celebrate is because God came down. And even if you're far from God, I want to tell you, you know there is something different about this season. There is something going on that's bigger than us. There is something happening here at this time. And everybody knows it. Everybody feels it because Emmanuel, right? God with us. It's Christmas. We've been in this great series called Share the Gift. And we've been talking about share the gift of hope and share the gift of peace and share the gift of love. And today we're talking about Share the gift of joy. And don't you love that our God is a God of joy? I love that. I mean, because back then, before Jesus, I mean, there wasn't a lot of joy in the world, okay? I mean, back then, I mean, it was like life was really hard. I mean, you were born, you just tried to survive. I mean, you tried to get water from wherever you could, and then you died. It was, and then the announcement comes. 
And what did the announcement, the birth announcement say? Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. I come to bring you good news of great joy. And to think that God of the universe would bust into our world. The God of the universe would say, hey, I don't want to just leave you alone. I didn't just set the world in motion and back away and let you try to figure it out. The God of the universe came to you. That's Christmas. And that's joy. And praise be to God. Praise be to God for Christmas. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Now we've been walking verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. Luke, just this one chapter. We've been unpacking it because it is so deep, it's so rich, it's so good. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, they all talk about Jesus. They all record the life of Jesus. But it's Matthew and Luke that really go back to the birth narrative. And what happened when Jesus was born. And it's Luke, who Luke was a doctor Right? He's very precise in his details. And he goes, hey, let me back it up. Let me tell you the whole thing that God's been doing here. And so he comes in the beginning of Luke chapter 1. He talks about this older couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he goes, these guys were faithful at church. They were always there. They were serving. But they didn't have a child. And they longed to have a child. And then one day, they're at the temple. And Zechariah is serving there. And the angel Gabriel comes and says, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. And you're going to name him John. And he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And Zechariah's like, no way. And then Zechariah's like, wait, I'm old, right? And my wife's old. There's no way this can happen. Like, are you sure? And Gabriel's like, I'm an angel, man. You know, <laughs> look who you're talking to. But, but just because you doubted me, you won't be able to speak until this happens. And then we saw, the next week, we saw as the angel came to Mary, this 14, 15-year-old girl, young virgin girl. And he says, I come to bring you good news. You're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus Yeshua, which literally means salvation. And Mary gets it. She's like, whoa, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, right? The whole Old Testament, all the prophets, everybody building up. The Messiah is coming. She's so excited. She runs off to be with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who was her cousin, maybe her aunt. And they're together and they're sharing this. Mary burst out in the song and just is praising God for what he's doing and bringing the Messiah and bringing the one John the Baptist before. And now we're going to pick up at verse 57. And in 57 through 80, as we close out the chapter today, and it all really sets up for Luke chapter 2, which we're going to look at on Christmas Eve, the celebration of the birth of Jesus. But here we see the birth of John the Baptist. So pick up in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her, what? Joy, right? On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue was loose. And he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And then Zechariah, this says Zechariah's psalm, but his father Zechariah 
was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come and has redeemed his people, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. And if you know John the Baptist, right, he lived out in the desert and as he grew up and he proclaimed that the Messiah was coming, he prepared the way for Jesus. Jesus who entered in Praise be to God for Christmas. What we see here, I think, is so important, that we are called to share the gift. We've talked about sharing the gift of hope. We've talked about sharing the gift of peace, but share the gift of love. But today, sharing that gift of joy. And I think when you look at Zachariah and Elizabeth, you know what? They were people of joy. They were people of joy. And if you and I are going to share the gift of joy, we've got to become a person of joy. So are you a person of joy? Does joy permeate your life? Now remember about Elizabeth that says, hey, when the time came for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Her joy. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were at church. They were serving. They were helping out. They were always involved. And then when they, God blessed them with a child, there was this, this joy that erupted in her. If you and I are to become people of joy, I think there's three things we got to do. Number one is this. To be enthusiastic. Be enthusiastic. Now, enthusiasm is literally a Greek word that means in theos, right? In God. And when you are in God, there's an enthusiasm that comes through you. And now some people say, well, that's just not me. Okay, I'm an introvert, right? You know, and it's like, but it's not about introvert, extrovert, okay? Introvert, extrovert is really where you get your energy. You know, introvert, you, you need to be alone sometime. You need to read a book. You need to get away. But you love people. I mean, you like being with people, but you need some time for you. And, and extroverts more recharge. But I'm telling you, I've been down to the Titan Stadium. I've been to see the Preds. I know introverts are just like this. Woohoo! You know, I mean, they're just all in, just like extroverts are. It doesn't matter. What matters is this is joy comes when you're in the Lord. Joy flows in your life when you're in Theos. Because why? Because joy is a choice. Joy is a choice that you make or that I make. And are you going to be a person of joy? It, see, if you look at this, it's not that you wake up in the morning and go, okay, I'm going to have joy today. Joy, 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 joy. I'm not a joy. It's you drawing close to the heartbeat of God. It's you living in relationship with the Lord. It's the Lord working through you. It's you waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, I dedicate this day to you. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, use me for your glory. God, I'm going forward in you, regardless of what happens. Why? Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit, right? 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things there is no law. Galatians chapter 5. For you and I understand that. So what happens to an apple when it's on the tree? It grows, it ripens, it becomes tasty and good. What happens to a grape when it's on the vine? It grows, it ripens, it becomes tasty and good. But what happens if you take that apple and you take it off the tree and just leave it over there by itself? It's going to shrivel up and die, right? It's got to be connected in to the tree. That's why in John chapter 15, what does Jesus say? Remain, 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 remain. Remain in me. And for you and I to become a person of joy, it means that we draw closer to the heartbeat of God. Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were people like that. Man, they just loved the Lord. And they were serving God. And they were faithful at church. They were there. They were invested. And joy flowed out of them. The second thing I think for us to be people of joy, we have to manage expectations. You have to manage expectations. Right? Sometimes people think, well, when I commit my life to Christ, when you know, I'm following God, then everything's going to be perfect. No, it's not. <laughs> Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. One day it'll all be perfect. But for now, Jesus had trouble, right? But Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Here, here's, the, here's the fact. Your holiday time, your Christmas time may not be perfect. And that's okay. But see, what happens is a lot of times we walk into Christmas and we think everything's going to be perfect. It doesn't happen that way, right? Flights get canceled. Turkeys get burned. We get the wrong size gift for somebody. You know, it just, it just happens that way. And a lot of times that throws us totally off. <laughs> because we wanted everything to be perfect. We thought we were going to go into Christmas and the kids aren't going to cry Right? Everybody's going to be like totally happy the whole time. The family's going to get along. The teenagers are going to want to stay with their extended family instead of going to hang out with their friends. And there's going to be world peace. You know, that's kind of what we have when we go into the holidays. But it doesn't always work. Your Christmas tree might get knocked over by your two-year-old. Just saying, it can happen. Right? Your dog can eat through the wrapping paper on a gift. Can happen. I mean, things can go wrong. But if you and I have wrong expectations, we think it's all going to be perfect... Then we get thrown off. Jesus said the thief, that's the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what does Satan want to steal? Your joy. I believe that with all my heart. I think Satan wants to steal your joy. And so when things go wrong at home, all of a sudden Satan gets a foothold there in your marriage. And it may be a little bitty thing, but boy, it starts to, to set a divide, Right? Or with your kids or with your roommates or with your extended family. And Satan just wants to kind of burrow in there and get a little friction going. And the next thing you know, man, you're mad and you're upset because of this or that. And it's some gift or it's something silly. It's something crazy. And you're like, what happened here? Well, we set the wrong expectations. We need to have joy. We're with the people we love. And I think Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were people like that. And that's number three. It's this. If you're to be a person of joy, you have to embrace. You have to embrace the moment, you guys. You've got to embrace it. And I think that is so powerful because what happens is this. We live a when and then life, right? You know, when, when we get to Christmas, then I'm going to have joy. Whew, it's going to be a great day because everything's done and that's going to be my day. And it, when, right, when we get past Christmas, then, then I'm going to have joy. 
right? When, you know, all the company leaves, then I'll have joy. When my kids are potty trained, then I'll have joy. Oh, that, that's true. Okay. But, yeah, no. but when, you know, we're an empty nester, then I'll have joy. And you know what happens? What happens with that? You miss life. Right? You totally miss it. And it goes on by because you're living when and then. And I think Zachariah and Elizabeth were people who just embraced the moment. And you can imagine Elizabeth. She's waited all this time and they put that baby in her arms and she just looks and is like, wow. And she wasn't thinking about the pain. She wasn't thinking about having a baby without the epidural. She wasn't thinking about, you know, any of that. She's just looking at this baby thinking, God, you are faithful. And I'm not fast forwarding this. <laughs> wow. I, I want to tell you, you don't get Christmas 2016 back. This is it. And so I want to encourage you, embrace the moment. Look into the eyes of your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew. Think about all the prayers you prayed for them. Just say, thank you, God. Maybe look into the eyes of your spouse. Look into the eyes of your best friend. Look in the eyes of the people around you. Just go, wow, God, thank you. It's not perfect. No, none of us are. But God, you're present. And God, you're here. And God, it's Christmas. Hey, become a person of joy. Become a person of joy. Here's the second thing I think of that joy comes from this. When we join God in what he's doing, when we join God in what he's doing. Guys, this is so powerful right here. I don't think we can get the gravity of it. But, but they come to Elizabeth on the eighth day, and this is whenever a baby got its name, was on the eighth day when they went to circumcise the son. And, and they said to Elizabeth, you know, what should we name him? And, and she said, John. And they're like, what? Nobody among your relatives is named John. You remember that? Why would we name him John? And so they go to Zechariah. Zechariah can't talk. Right? He still can't talk, even after, because he doubted that God was going to be able to do this. And so his tongue has been frozen. He can't say anything. And they go to Zechariah. And I believe this is a moment, a defining moment for Zechariah. Zechariah, what are we going to name your son? Because back then, it was all about the family. It was all about the lineage. It was all about the ancestry. And Zechariah knows, I'm only having one. <laughs> I'm old. My wife's old. We're not getting another shot here. And so for my name to go on, this is it. And I think this is a moment of truth. I mean, is Zechariah going to say, hey, name him Zechariah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Or is Zechariah going to listen to what the angel said? No, you name him John. In all of our lives, as we grow spiritually, we're going to come up to these kind of roadblocks. And we're going to come up to these kind of defining moments for us. And maybe for you, you know what it is, maybe it's baptism. And every time you start to grow spiritually and God speaks to you about baptism, then you kind of back away. You're like, oh, I don't know. Or God speaks to you about, you know, missions. Or God speaks to you about generosity. Or God speaks to you about, and you kind of have these things that you shy away from. But I think this is for Zechariah, that defining moment. What are you going to do? And he took a tablet and he wrote down, his name is John. It's John. I'm joining God in what he's doing. God's doing something bigger here than my name. 
God's doing something bigger here than me. God's going to do something that's going to impact my people in this entire world. I want to be a part of that. And you know what it says? After he wrote down John, it says immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loose. And he began to speak, praising God. And the neighbors were all filled with awe. See, when you're obedient to God, and it could be in little things, right? But when you're obedient to God, people go, wow, God's doing something. It impacts so many more people than just you. Your obedience and following God and trusting Him. See, the challenge comes, though, in this, is that there is a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on Christ. And the challenge is that for many of us, we run after the things of this world in order to make us happy. And they last for just a little bit. And then they're fleeting. And they're gone. And we're on to something else. We're on to something else. Because happiness comes and it goes. It's an emotion. It's just like here and it's there. You'll see this at Christmas, right? You're going to buy your child or your niece or your nephew. You're going to buy them a gift. And, and you're going to be so excited about it. You're going to like, they're going to love this toy. They can't wait to get this toy. And then you're going to give it to them. And they're so excited about it. And they open it up. They're like, yeah, this is great. And then they're going to put it down and go for the next box, right? And you're like, that was 30 bucks. Go play with that toy. You know? <laughs> go get that toy. But they're on to the next thing. Because we do that, right? I'm happy when I'm healthy. I'm happy when... There's money in my bank account. I'm happy when my 401k is fully funded. I'm happy when. And we're always basing it on circumstances. And the problem is, though, you know, we may have some money in our bank account now, but then all of a sudden the stock market changes and then it goes back. And then we're like, ah, what happened? Sometimes you ask parents, you go, what do you want for your kids? And they go, we don't care as long as they're happy. And I think, oh, come on, what more for your kid? Want them to make a difference. Want them to change the world. Want them to make an impact for the glory of God. But in our lives, we do that same thing. And we run after the things of this world. And we try to amass more and more and more and more stuff. And we wonder, why? Why am I not happy all the time? I want you to see this video we shot when we were in Israel about six weeks ago. And I want you to watch this right here. I'm standing here on the Herodian. This was King Herod's palace. Back in Jesus' day, Herod was the king over all of Judea, over all of this area of the world. And so I'm looking down on Jerusalem over here and Bethlehem right over here. And Herod built himself an incredible palace. Uh, there's a telos, which is, you can see the tower back there. This is a model right here. Uh, but a telos was kind of his signature build, so you knew it was Herod's palace. Uh, Herod's tomb is actually discovered right here at this palace. But this palace was elaborate. I mean, built on this mountain, uh, and you could see he had dining rooms, he had a bath, a spa, he had everything you could imagine. And he thought, you know, he was the king of the world, right? I mean, he's looking down on the people, he's got a Roman army. I mean, he just thinks he's ruling the whole thing. And then right over there, Bethlehem, just down the hill a little bit, there's a baby who's born. And this baby is born, 
in a stable, a cave, to a man and a woman, no fanfare, just humble. But that baby changed the world. Herod, his grave is right here, he died, went on. A man of war, many battles that he fought, built many things for himself, all about building up himself, building his own kingdom. And yet Jesus, the hope of the world, came to change us from the inside out. And it's all these things that we run after today that we try to build our own kingdom. We try to build bigger houses and more stuff and more things. We try to rule the world in so many ways. And yet it's when we have peace in our hearts and peace in our lives that we really know what Christ came to be. And we understand that Christ's kingdom reigns forever. This kingdom fell, and just like our kingdoms will too, but Christ will never fail. And for you and I to learn that the Prince of Peace has come, that he wants to do more than just give us things in the world, he wants to do something in our heart and our lives. He wants to transform us. So I hope and I pray that this Christmas, that we'll understand, we can look at the world and we can run after and chase after all the celebrities and all the success, or we could say, Christ has come, born for me, for me to have peace, for me to have hope, for me to have joy, for Christ has come to change the world. And it's not Herod, people like that will fade away in the annuals of history, but Christ is history and he has changed the world and he longs to change you and he longs to change me. You know, Herod, who was the king at the time, and you would think the guy had it all, right? I mean, he had money, he had slaves, he could do whatever he wanted. But when you go back and study history, he was probably one of the most miserable people that ever lived. He killed most of his family because he was suspicious, thinking they were trying to take his throne. There's an old saying in history that it's safer to be one of Herod's pigs than one of Herod's sons. He even killed his own wife, the one that he really loved the most. And as soon as he killed her, he was suspicious that she was trying to overthrow him too. And as soon as he killed her, he, he was overcome with grief because he really did love her. And so he tried to preserve her. And like he would bring her out for dinner after she was dead. He tried to preserve her in honey for like seven years. I mean, just sick, weird stuff. He fought depression all of his life. He was always angry, always upset. And right before he died, he died in Jericho. He gave an order to round up all the leading men of Jericho and of Jerusalem, and he wanted them all killed when he died because he said there would be no tears shed for him. Everybody would be happy when he died, and he wanted there to be tears, so he wanted all these other people to die. Unfortunately, his, the people who came after him didn't carry out the order, but I just think, wow, what a miserable life for somebody who thought they had it all, and yet right down the hill is a baby who came to bring joy. And there's something way different between joy and between happiness. C.S. Lewis, who's one of my favorite authors, I love if you are looking for something to read over the holidays, Mere Christianity, um, The Great Divorce, The Screw Tape Letters, The Lion, The Witch, The Wardrobe, I mean, the list goes on and on. But, but C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist growing up and was went on to Oxford and Cambridge, brilliant scholar. But people like J.R.R. Tolkien and others who led C.S. Lewis to Christ. And when he gave his life to Christ, there was such a transformation in him. And when he wrote his autobiography, you know what he entitled it? Surprised by joy. He said, I would have never believed that 
following God would bring such inner joy. I would have never believed that a relationship with the Lord would bring joy inside of me. That's what God wants to do. And when you and I join God in what he's doing, there is a joy that comes that's only of him and not of this world. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, a church that he loved. I mean, like I love you, church. And, and he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That he who began a good work in you, God's not finished with you. God is still writing a greater story in you, and that ought to give you joy. God is for me. God is with me. And you're joining God and following God. That's why I love church so much. I just love seeing God work in people's lives. I love us locking arms together and making impact for God's glory in our day and our generation. And there's joy that comes when we are in the Lord, when we are following him and walking with him. Here at Rolling Hills, one of our core values is joy. Core value number five. Church is designed to be enjoyable. <laughs> joy will permeate all we do. Now, we're not a perfect church. No way. We make mistakes. But, but it's a place of joy because God is here. The third thing we see is this. If you're to share the gift of joy, it calls us to invest in others. It calls us to invest in others. Zechariah, he breaks out of this song, right, just praising God for what he's doing. And then in verse 76, he says, In you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. And I can imagine Zechariah holding his son. His tongue has been loosed. He's praising God and he's holding him. And he just blesses him. In you, my child. Oh, God's got big plans for you. It's not going to be easy all the time. But listen, God is with you and God is for you. Last week we said a blessing is where you spiritually infuse holiness or favor onto somebody else. And Zechariah knew that he had been blessed in order to be a blessing. He had been blessed in his own life in order to be a blessing to this precious child and Zechariah prayed over his son. For those of you who are parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles, there is power when you pray over your children. Even when they're asleep and you go and just put your hand on their head and you pray over them, there is power in that. And Zechariah knew this child, God has a plan for them. And God has a plan for your children and for your children's children. And God is at work. And God is moving. And you trust him. And you and I, the joy comes when we begin to invest in others, when we begin to give back. You know, growing up, I thought Christmas was about me. I mean, really, when I was a kid, I used to make Christmas lists. Anybody like, I want this. You know, I have my little Christmas list. Because I, I thought it was all about me. And our world still does that, right? I mean, we take, you know, Photos with our iPhone. We take our selfies because it just becomes about me. And that's what so many people look at Christmas about. But it's not. It's about Christ and it's about investing in others. And that's where joy comes. I mean, really. 
Joy comes when you begin to give. When I was a kid, I couldn't wait to get a present. Now, as a dad, I can't wait to give a present. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we know that. What I love is watching my kids grow up. You know, my kids, they, get, they still get excited about gifts, yeah. But, but what I love is when they come to me and they say, hey, dad, dad, dad. Hey, I used my own money for my allowance and you wouldn't believe it, but I got mom this. She's going to love it. Hey, hey, I want to tell you, I got Kate this. She's going to love it. They're getting more excited about what they're giving than what they're getting. And for you and I, when we invest in others, man, something happens in us. And you know why that is? Because that's what Christmas is all about. Every time you see a nativity scene, you know what I think there ought to be? I think there ought to be a giant arrow, like pointing, like a neon arrow pointing over to a cross. Because it's the cross of Christ is the whole reason we celebrate Christmas. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his one and his only son. And you and I, when we give, we're like God. You and I, when we give and we invest in others, when we give our lives back to Christ, when we give generously, wow, God is glorified. And lives are impacted and lives are changed. And joy comes in us. So when I ask you today, are you a person of joy? Do you have joy in your heart, in your life? Maybe if you're honest today, you'll say, well, really for me, it's about happiness. I pursue the things of this world. I run after them and, and I feel like I'm on this roller coaster. My emotions are up and they're down because things constantly change. But today, I really want to be a person of joy. I want Christ I want to hold on to him with everything I have, with everything I am. I want Jesus. (laughs) Maybe today is a day of salvation for you. Maybe today is a day to reprioritize for you. Maybe today is a day where you say, I want to experience Christmas and embrace the moment this year. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service, and we want to encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ, and we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's word. Again, we are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.